What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with MSW Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, I am so excited. I'm going to be talking with Lauren Windsor. She's the executive producer of The Undercurrent. She goes undercover in MAGA world and gets big names in MAGA leadership to reveal and expose all kinds of things on camera. In fact, in October 2021 on Rachel Maddow's A Block, Maddow said this about her. Lauren Windsor is an activist, sort of guerrilla journalist, who in recent months has been turning Republicans inside and out. I can't wait to talk to her. We're going to have such a great conversation. But before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, listener-funded, and woman-run. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup to see the variety of tiers offered, including the option to get two bonus What's Up episodes per week. Kind of like my online journal where I get a little more personal and talk about whatever is on my mind. There's also an ad-free tier with a much shorter intro. Just visit patreon.com dot com slash start me up now please enjoy my conversation with lauren windsor welcome to the show lauren thanks for having me well first of all thank you for everything you do you know last night i was going through your website and looking through pictures on facebook and i have all these questions and i did quote the rachel maddow calling you i can't remember she said you're like guerrilla journalist or something like that it's so awesome to have a whole a block from maddow on you that is so like congratulations <laughs> that's wonderful. oh thank you it was uh shocking at the time yes yeah, so i just I remember sitting on the couch and being a little mind blown yeah. <laughs> and that was all because of a new york times article talking about how you go undercover in the mega world so i just want to first of all i want you to tell us about undercurrent and your role uh, sure. I mean, I've been producing the undercurrent now for, uh, well, we started in 2012, so it's nearly 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it started as a project with uh, the Young Turks, who were then uh, producing a show with current television, hence why it's called Undercurrent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it originated as a grassroots reporting web show uh, where it's chronicling really um, – events going on with Occupy from Mm -hmm. Occupy LA and going around the country doing that. Wow. And what inspired you to get into this in the first place? I had always, you know, really uh, been pulled by, I've been pulled in two directions professionally. It was either politics or fashion. And for Mm -hmm. a long time I pursued fashion. I was living out in LA and was at ground zero for this subprime mortgage meltdown. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went back to school to get a fashion design degree and my then boyfriend, uh, his job, his uh, firm was doing robocalls for uh, subprime mortgage lenders primarily. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I saw his, you know, business tank Mm -hmm. and all of that uh, damage really, um, from a personal 
perspective, like really, it really hurt. It, it, there was a deep impact on that. And uh, by the time Occupy rolled around uh, to, you know, sort of rage about the lack of accountability for Wall Street bankers, I felt that I had finally, you know, come to find the the movement I'd been waiting my entire life for. And hmm. so um, it, it was a personal rage that definitely fueled me, uh, fueled that transition from fashion over to, to politics and, and knowing that I had to step up and try to create change. Wow. So, I mean, just real quick, are you still doing fashion at all? No, I mean... You know, I really had gotten to the point where I I was confused my hobby for <laughs> my career. Yeah. <laughs> I love fashion. I do still uh, obsess over fashion. But, um, you know, the, the thing that sustains me, that, like, feeds me is, is any time that I can see that I've ha- made a difference in the political discourse on, you know, subjects that I care deeply about. Wow. Yeah. And it shows. I mean, I specifically remember you getting Glenn Youngkin to admit something about how I I don't remember exactly. So you're going to have to correct me on this. But basically, like, don't talk about abortion now. We'll we'll deal with that once I get elected. Um, So I want to know, really, how do you get in to talk to these people? How do you infiltrate the MAGA crowd and convince them that you're one of them? Or or are you allowed to even tell us that? <laughs> uh, um, you know, a lot of it has, you know, kind of been chronicled, I think, in, you know, the New York Times profile and then also the Rachel Maddow piece. But, you know, um, without going into the nitty gritty of it, it's just, you know, showing up and talking to people, mm-hmm. you know, engaging them in conversations and, um it, I think that people want to ascribe some sort of um, deeper thing than that, but <laughs> and yeah, it does take some some talent, uh, you know, particularly after you've gained some amount of infamy, fame, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I try not to ascribe like negative con- <laughs> connotations to what I'm doing, but. You know, when you become known for doing something, obviously there's more people looking right. out for you, so you have to take precautions mm-hmm. um, and be smart about what you're doing. But at the end of the day, it's it's showing up and having conversations. Right. And so now you had just talked about the fact that, you know, the more famous you become, the more difficult it is for you. So d- do you have a contingency plan in case that happens where just your face is completely recognizable or are you just rolling this out until the next thing comes along and you'll go with that? You know, um, for a long time, I played it too safe and really uh, reserved going undercover for, uh, you know, I would say the most impossible to get in events, Mm -hmm. you know, like trying to go to an Alec conference or trying to go to a Koch brothers donor retreat. Mm -hmm. Like um, you're not going to get into those. And, and, uh, you know, you have to have some amount of like undercover um, work to even approach them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, for a long time, I thought that if I was too aggressive or, um, I think, well, we'll just leave it as, as too aggressive that 
uh, it would um, mean that my uh, ability to do it would would stop. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's been now 11 years. So (laughs) um, it's and has it I have gotten recognized at events. I have been approached and, Hmm. you know, uh, at the end of the day, no one's going to you know, uh, hit me, uh, you know, right. if, if they physically assault me, like, please assault me. I will, you know, <laughs> sue the shit out of you. You know, that there's a definite desire. I mean, you got to remember the, the political aspect of this, that, Hey, we've just like found this person that, that we suspect to be a, a, a mole. Uh, we're mm-hmm. not going to, we definitely don't want this to be a bigger story mm-hmm. than it could be. So we're not going to escalate it by, you know, having a physic physical altercation. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not afraid of being asked to leave, mm-hmm. you know, like, Hey, we need you to go. Okay, great. Right. You know, you just have to push boundaries, see how far mm-hmm. you can get. And, you know, I, I've found that, uh, a lot of the time you can push the boundaries pretty far because people just, you know, politics is a big tent. You're mm-hmm. trying to bring in as many people as possible. Right. So, uh, you know, it, excluding people is not in the interest of people throwing <laughs> events, right? Yeah, works in your favor. And let me ask you this. Do you get any sense of um, thrill or anxiety or like, you know, because in a way you're acting – so before actors go out on stage, sometimes they get, you know, filled with energy or whatever it is. Do, do you get that? What kind of feeling happens to you as you're just about to, you know, execute one of these, uh, these things? It's a roller coaster of emotions. I'm sure it is. <laughs> you know, you, like prior to going to an event, there's the, oh, I found this event where I'm going to have the opportunity to ask somebody, you know, generally Mm -hmm. speaking, you know, you, for me anyway, like I, my, my focus has been exposing election deniers. Right. Mm So, you know, it's like, Oh, this is going to be a really great opportunity to ask Mike Pence, you know, like, um, why he didn't do the right thing. Um, (laughs) you know, you get excited because you're like, Oh, okay. Like this is, this event looks really good. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a whole different level of excitement when you actually like land in, you know, whatever state city, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, it is where it's being held. Okay. Like we're on the playing field now. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you like go scout the location Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, you're just like prepping and getting ready and it's like, okay, you like, it's going to be game time soon. And it's a whole different level you know, there's all this anticipation and, and when you're actually like the day of the anxiety mm-hmm. that starts to creep of like, okay, <laughs> you know, uh, this is it. It's go time. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times with this stuff, it's like, I, the anxiety is there. The anticipation is there because we're talking about high stakes. Mm-hmm. You know, I care about this. Like I am pursuing this line of reporting because I honestly deeply believe that our country is on a precipice Mm -hmm. of losing our democracy to fascism. I mean, it's a real threat. Everything that we're seeing going on right now, like it's not over. And, um, you know, 2024 is really like the ultimate, you know, playing out of of all these different dynamics Mm -hmm. that, 
have um, developed since the 2020 election. Yeah, well, and speaking of that, I'm going to ask you more stuff about you. But with 2024, I mean, how are you feeling? Obviously, we're all concerned because, yes, we're dealing with fascists. We've also got Donald Trump, who there's a lot of us who maybe, you know, feel like, okay, he can't win, although you can't be sure about that. But based on what we've seen, the history so far after 2016 tells us that his chances of winning in 2024 are pretty low. But there is still a threat. And even if he were, for some reason, not the nominee, um, we don't know who the GOP would get and, and if they would even have a shot. But ultimately here, Trump is not the only thing. It's Trumpism. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're heading into this election season. And there's like every day when you're on social media and you're keeping up with breaking news, you're seeing stories that are pro-democracy and stories of, you know, people working really hard to hurt democracy go into full fascism. So do, do you get a sense right now of what, I mean, I'm asking you to predict, and I know it's almost impossible, but I mean, in your gut, do you have a feeling of where we're going to, where we're going to go in 2024? I mean, it, I think because of the trial in Georgia uh, with the breadth of it, mm-hmm. There's just going to be, uh, I don't want to say chaos, but a lot of obviously unpredictable things that occur when you're talking about a trial that, you know, the judge conservatively estimates at four months, uh, you know, going up to eight months. Um, You have 19 defendants, who rolls on, you know, who else? And that's just in one case, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So many of these co-defendants of Trump's are like being crushed under the weight of these legal bills and the trial hasn't even begun, you know, what's it's going to look like, um, you know, even a month in, like Mm -hmm. Jenna Ellis is already squealing uh, (laughs) uh, from the pain, you know, Rudy Giuliani is already squealing from the pain, like, you know, there's, Trump is holding a $100,000 ahead fundraiser for him at Bedminster tonight, Mm -hmm. Uh, Rudy's selling his apartment, Wow. um, which I, I staked out his apartment, I actually just did a documentary workshop in New York this summer, and uh, for my final project, it was a mini documentary um, that was, you know, an homage to Roger and me from, um, mm-hmm. you know, Michael Moore, yes. uh, Rudy and me. And so <laughs> I, I, I'm intimately acquainted with, you know, uh, Rudy Giuliani's building. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's nice. He's really giving it, giving it up, you know, wow. for Trump. <laughs> Right. who is you know, not <laughs> not proven to be the most loyal person. No. So. <laughs> but there is a set, like I have the sense, even though I know I'm going to get freaked out as we approach 20, you know, on November 24, I do have a sense that democracy will prevail. Um, but yeah, I mean, regardless, we, with each election, we keep saying this is the most, every election is the most important election um, because that's just how it works. But especially now, since we're facing facing fascism, it's like right there, breathing down our necks. It is the most important. And I mean, I, I have said this so many times before, but I had the opportunity to live in Soviet Russia when I was, you know, 12 years old. And because I had that opportunity, I, I, I don't expect America to become Soviet. But I know that it's a lot easier. It, it'll be a lot easier than people would think 
um, once that class, you know, ruling class or whatever you want to call it, would get in and, and be there permanently. And so it is really scary. And 2024 is extremely important. But then I think, okay, well, then what about 2026? And then I guess we're just going to have to worry about that later. <laughs> Let's just have to deal with it one election at a time, which is really, really scary and frustrating. But I, I think that there is, I do feel some hope. I feel hopeful. I, I feel very hopeful. I mean, you know, we were able to win uh, the presidency in 2020. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a trifecta. Um, you know, granted it was narrow. Granted, um, yeah. Democrats weren't able to pass, you know, the most ambitious parts of the agenda. But, you know, there was a lot that that was done that, mm -hmm. that has been done by the Biden administration. And I think it would be a real shame, um, beyond a shame, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, if Trump were to ever step in the, the white yeah. house again, like it, there would be a tremendous amount lost in, you know, what, I don't know that, you know, we can come back from that. Right. You know, know, maybe that's like the final, <laughs> the final, the final act, you know, right. and people say, oh, you know, that that's just, you're being hyperbolic and, no. and over-exaggerating, you know, it doesn't mean that we're going to um, have an end to elections. And it's like, okay, well, you know, Trump was in and was trying to, uh, you know, decapitate the DOJ, mm -hmm. install a guy who was going to seize voting machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, mean the more yeah. the more details that come out about what was going on in December of uh, 2020, it's just jaw dropping, like yeah. how close we came. And I was in the you know thick of it in Georgia. You know, I, I broke the story, uh, the the first reporting that there was going to be a Senate challenge to the Electoral College uh, with Tommy Tuberville, mm -hmm. and you know that was. I knew that going to Georgia, uh, I, I knew I had to be there no matter what. As soon as um, the election was over in November and they, they said that there were going to be two runoffs. I, I, the conventional wisdom in D.C. was that Mitch McConnell would be the Senate majority leader again. Mm -hmm. And I, I was just like, I know that this is winnable. I know that I need to report and expose um you know, this chicanery <laughs> as much as I can. And being on the ground, you know, I saw all of these Republicans out there stumping for uh, Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue, and they kept telling everyone in, in December, in middle December, you know, mid-December, like, uh, keep fighting for President Trump. We still have a chance. Mm -hmm. we, we still have a way to, to win this thing. And so... You know, being able to expose that and report on that and just like raise the alarm um, is definitely like one of the most fulfilling, yeah, reporting you know like work experiences I've ever had. I bet. Okay, we have to take a quick break, but we'll be back after this message. Hey, this is Kimberly. If you're not already my patron, just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. You can take a look at all the tiers and decide how you want to support the show. Thank you so much. Spark your creativity with The Sims. Sometimes you might feel like you're not creative. 
and you have to go in search of your creative spark again. Maybe this is catching up with creative friends, experimenting with a new look, or trying out a new recipe. And thanks to The Sims, inspiration is just one game and one spark away. Ready to spark something? Download The Sims 4 and play for free. You know, I was looking at your Facebook page, as I said, and you're so interesting. You have a very, like, there's a lot that you do, and you, sh you show everybody what you do. You're here, you're there. So what I want to know, looks like you have, have, like, a good mix of work and fun. And so I just, <laughs> I hope that's true. But that's what it appears, at least through your pictures. So I just was curious, like, what, can you just describe for us either like a week or a month in your life of the kind of work you do and, and how it is for someone like you, especially for someone who goes undercover? I mean, you know, I am not married. I don't have children. So um, I have a bit of a peripatetic lifestyle. Um, you know, after the... Um, the pandemic or during the pandemic, uh, you know, there was a realization of, you know, this could, you know, we, we could all die tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> life is short. <laughs> I've been wanting to, to find a way to spend more time in California. I, and I had been in California. I've been in San Francisco for a year in 2019 and 2020, um, working on Tom Steyer's presidential campaign. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and, and I lived in LA prior to moving to DC in, in 2013. And so I really wanted to spend more time in California and, um, you know, I found a way to do that. And so I guess that was like 2021 that I started, you know, really making an effort to split time between California and DC, more time in DC, um, because of, you know, my work, but mm. it, it just such a, like California feels like home to me in a way that DC does not. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely love DC for, you know, my work family and, you know, being in the national political mix. Um, but you know, when I'm here, I'm going to the office. I, you know, I have a really good work relationship with my partner, Mike, who, uh, you know, I have been working with, you know, taking away the leave of absence for this fire campaign, uh, you know, for the, been working with him for the past 10 years mm -hmm. so you know we support each other and you know, uh, each other's projects it, we're just very politically simpatico mm -hmm. and um you know everything that that i've been doing with my reporting has really just been synergistic to um you know the work that he does with coalition building on various issues mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I try to spend as much time in the office as I can when I'm here. I need that structure personally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, you know, I, I try to, you know, I'll, I'll mix in trips to, you know, go report. So, you know, and obviously like during the election cycle itself, um, as you get closer in, there's much more travel to mm -hmm. do the reporting, but, um, you know, at certain points could be, you know, traveling anywhere from two to four times a week. Wow. You know, it, it was a lot of travel. I got really burnt out last mm -hmm. year. Yeah. I bet. Um, you know, like once it was over because, you know, just like a lot of Georgia, Arizona, mm -hmm. Wisconsin, and 
you know, it, it's not, you know, I, I've tried to recruit people into doing what I'm doing. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I have worked with a lot of great folks, but, you know, it's not easy to find people that want to, you know, continue to do this type of thing on a regular basis. Yeah. So um, it can be, um, it, it, it just wears on you I after bet. a while, but you know, it's, it's also very energizing. Mm-hmm. You know, when you asked me before, like if I'm excited or anxious or whatever, like, you know, there's such a, an amazing feeling when you're in the moment. Like when I was talking to John Eastman mm-hmm. and he's just opening up mm-hmm. and, and telling us all these things. And it's like the biggest sort of high Yeah, and we're walking away and I'm like, Dear Lord, I hope that's all on camera, right? And so there's that, you know, I hope we have all the audio on that. I hope we got a good shot. Yeah. And um, you come away, you review the footage, and you're like, when you know that you have a story, at that point, it's a whole different, like, joy, Mm -hmm. you know? Because you're like, oh, this is going to be crazy when I publish this. Mm -hmm. Like, this is going to be nuts. And then you publish it and, you know, it's like, oh my God, like it's all over Twitter or we got picked up by CNN. We got picked up by MSNBC. It's in the Washington Post. It's in the New York Times. Like that's a whole different level Mm -hmm. of excitement, you know, about Mm -hmm. the thing. And so that's, it's those moments that like carry me through, but it's definitely not easy by any stretch of the imagination. And And you do like, that high only lasts for a couple of days yeah. and then it's like where's the next story i have to do this all <laughs> over again and you know i i've kind of had a bit of a break like the last major story that we broke this year was around cleta mitchell mm. um and it got picked up it was like really wide and far because it we collaborated with the washington post and it was just like pretty blockbuster reporting um but, you know, it, yeah. when you go into a sort of rest period, there is, like, an anxiety that, that's like, well, what if I never break another story? <laughs> right. <laughs> Where's my next story going to come from? What if I can't, I'm not any good at this? <laughs> yeah, I can totally imagine that. But obviously, there's no shortage of stories for you. Um, in fact, that leads me to ask the next question, but I'm, I'm going to ask knowing that I may not get the answer that I want but is there any way you could tell us of anything you may be working on now or hope to be working on or do you need to keep that under wraps um so the broadly speaking um so I mentioned that I've been in a, a documentary workshop this summer and uh the project uh, that was jump starting is a documentary on January 6th and the roots of Trumpism mm-hmm. so it uses you know this at this point like a pretty vast archive of original reporting Mm -hmm. that we have um as you know like a skeleton but like to you know really tell the story of like how did we get to january 6th and how do we uh make sure that we never get there again Mm -hmm. and so um my goal is to really you know, um, do the contemporaneous reporting and get the stories out in the moment, but then, you know, have something, um, you know, summer of next year that weaves all of that together to tell the larger story. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. 
I'm looking forward Thanks. to that. And I, I saw, it looks like it was fairly recent that you interviewed Keith Olbermann. And so I was, yes. I was, I want to know, you know, a little bit about that. What, what was the reason for the interview and what was he like? So, um, Keith and I became friends on Twitter, um, you know, through my various, I guess, reporting exploits. He had started mm -hmm. to follow me. And so we, um, developed, you know, uh, you know, and, and I, when I say developed a mutual appreciation, I mean, Keith Olbermann has been huge, you right. know, for as long as I can <laughs> exactly. remember. So like, I've been a fan of, of Keith's forever. So, um, you know, I, I don't mean to say like developed in that sense, right. uh, but he, um, you know, I reached out to him to say, you know, I'm working on this documentary um, and would love to interview you for it. And so he's in Rudy and me and <laughs> he provides some great context. You know, he's been reporting on Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani for decades and, um, you know, really brought to the table, um, some context that I think is, wow. uh, makes the documentary really shine. So Very cool. he was, uh, so generous with his time and, you know, uh, answered, so many questions and uh really just grateful to him that he um was able to do it was willing to help so yeah wow that's really cool and i'm jealous and um so well i'm also jealous that you're in california because i lived in california for a long time and i'm back in maryland because my family's back here my boyfriend's family is back here so that's why we're here but oh my god i miss la so bad um what was I just going to? Oh, yeah. So obviously, you know, you do all kinds of interviews. You talk to people like Ted Cruz. You've talked to Glenn Youngkin. You've talked to Keith Olbermann. Um, aside from Keith Olbermann, who have been some of the other people that you've talked to that, like, I'm curious about the people that you admire, those interviews that you like, and then the, the people like Ted Cruz, of those, what are your favorites? I mean, I've had some really interesting experiences, like since, you know, kind of like breaking out with the election denier reporting. Mm -hmm. um, and this wasn't an interview per se, but, you know, I do admire Kathy Griffin mm -hmm. and um, <laughs> she gifted me some wigs. Awesome. <laughs> so um, wow. one, of, one of which I wore into Mor-a-Lago. <laughs> so I felt like it was really... You know, I, it was bringing Kathy Griffin's yes, spirit into Mar-a-Lago so cool. with me. That uh, so cool. But uh, that was a really fun uh, thing, like getting to meet her and mm -hmm. uh, her help. It was weird because just a couple of weeks prior, I'd like put out into the universe. I was like, does anybody know of a good um, wig brand? I need to I need to find some wigs. And then um, the john eastman's story came out and the the, the bio uh, piece on uh rachel maddow and mm -hmm. kathy tweeted she said um uh she like quote tweeted the the clip and said this is how you get your uh work on the a block of rachel maddow <laughs> everybody should give la windsor a follow wow. and i was like holy shit I'm, I'm, this is amazing <laughs> like I, I love kathy griffin she's so funny <laughs> Um, and I wrote back, I was like, oh, you know, thank you, Kathy. I, I'm a huge fan. I really appreciate the support. And she writes back and she's like, oh, girl, she's like, 
I've got a closet full of, you know, wigs and hats and sunglasses and, you know, uh, let me know what you need or something if you, if you need anything. And I was like, I wrote her offline and I was like, yeah, if you're, if you're serious about this, you know, I'm, I'm in LA, um, I'll totally take you up on that offer, but yeah. I totally get if, if you're not serious about it. And she was like, oh no, girl, I'm up in Malibu, come on over. And I was like, okay. I just... I asked the universe for wigs and the universe gave me Kathy Griffin's wig. That is awesome. So. Oh my God. You manifested yeah. Kathy Griffin's wigs. That's like the best story of every, yeah. of all. <laughs> and and I wore one of house. them into Mar-a-Lago, which is even better. <laughs> That's even better. And have you ever been to one of her dinners? I have. Yeah. Um, uh, she, she likes to do salons, salons you know, where she, yes. you know, brings a bunch of influencers together to have, you know, discussions mainly about politics, mm-hmm. but you know, about culture too. She's, uh, she's fun. Yeah. I, I, it looks like fun. It looks like a lot of fun actually. And, uh, yeah. she's wonderful. I mean, I had her on my show and I, I was so impressed with, I don't know if you saw her documentary after she did the, uh, Trump thing. But it was fascinating, and I, you know, I mean, I always supported her, but I especially supported her after that. So that's really, 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 really cool. Now, what about people like the the um, Ted Cruz's and the Glenn Youngkins? Is there anything that specifically stands out where you got them? Uh, I know you, you you talked about the work that you did earlier, but I mean, just in a general sense, is there anybody that you've talked to that you're especially proud of that you got them to admit something very specific? I mean, the Eastman thing, like, was just so perfect because it was so serendipitous. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I had, you know, he was on my radar because I, you know, I'm looking to report on election deniers. So I um, had been tracking an event, uh, the Claremont Institute Gala, and I was like, Certainly he is going to be at this thing, mm-hmm. but, you know, I don't want to just go to one event, you know, for some rando lawyer yeah. um, who is involved in this. You know, it's probably not. It doesn't rise to the level of me, like, investing the resources in, into it. But I guess it was like a week or two prior. It was like a week prior. He <laughs> has this interview with the National Review where he totally walks away like, like distances himself from the memo and is like, Oh, you know, I, I, I'm a lawyer and I write memos and it was just a memo that I wrote, (laughs) you know, nobody, nobody took it seriously. That was the kind of thing that was being said and it was, had made a pretty big splash. Mm -hmm. And so when I read it, I was like, Oh, you're so full of shit. I was (laughs) like, no way. And so I'm like, fuck it, like, I'm going. Well, we're going to do this. Like, he's going to be there. And Ron DeSantis was also at that dinner, so it wasn't like it was only um, him. I think, you know, we talked to um, the president of uh, Claremont, too, who said some interesting stuff. Wow. But, um, <laughs> you know, I I wasn't there for Ron DeSantis. I was there for John Eastman, and we found him relatively easily. And, you know, he was just waiting to vent and you know hmm. to have somebody really like butter him up and we did and he <laughs> talked to us for like 10 minutes and i was like oh my and he just progressively like it got worse and worse and i'm sitting there like oh my god this is amazing but i had to like you know completely keep my yeah 
you know, cool, like as we're saying everything, it was just like internally, I was like, <laughs> I don't know, on the verge of orgasm. I was like, oh. <laughs> were you God. were you wearing a wig? <laughs> I was not wearing a wig. No, I was not. Oh my god, that's so funny! Wow, I bet that's so. That I swear that must be so thrilling to be able to do that. Uh, you you do have guts on you because I can imagine. I mean, I was an actor. I'm tall. I have a big presence, and I'm not that easily intimidated. But what you do definitely seems intimidating to me. And and I love I love when you're like when I'm watching the videos and I can hear you because obviously you know the focus is on whoever you're speaking to. But you kind of have that drawl, and you've got the y'all thing going on, and you do it so well. <laughs> you just sound like one of them, and it's so funny, and, and you're really good at it, and I mean it. And so I, aside from, you know, just thinking what you do is great, I, I really appreciate what you do because you're helping us, and you know that. You're, you're helping democracy. You're helping all of us out by exposing these people and getting them to admit. But I think, I think there's also something to it that these people – just kind of like you said that like they have a need to vent they have a need to to talk and buttering them up seems to be it, it seems so easy even though I imagine it's not always easy but I mean it these people don't seem to be the smartest or the most savvy at what they're doing well I mean <laughs> it's not you know just like a conservative thing or a well, yeah, Republican yeah. thing or a a democratic thing you know people period you know just psychologically yes. you know anybody loves it when you're like oh my god i'm just your biggest fan <laughs> there it is <laughs> y'all <laughs> that yeah that's i got true. a bone to, i got a bone to pick with you sir <laughs> <laughs> you know I, i'm such a fan but i'm just so disappointed that you da 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 da. Well, let me tell you why that's not the case. Right. Anytime that you can get one of these guys, and um, you know, <laughs> and it, it's you know always men. Mm -hmm. It's uh, anytime you can get them in a position of mansplaining to you, that <laughs> is, is so a easy. sweet spot because you're like, oh really? I had no idea. Please tell me more. <laughs> And you are very and pretty, like, and that helps. I'm what? sure the fact that you're pretty softens them up. They, they, you know, because obviously it helps. And I'm, and it's not the only thing that you have a lot of talent. But aside from your talent, I think you probably, what is the word? I mean, you kind of like put them at ease or whatever because you're a nice looking woman and you're soft spoken and you play that game, like the patriarchy game, really well. And they, they just eat it up. So <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> Oh my God. I just absolutely love what you do. And I, I, I can't say that enough. I think it's extremely important. Obviously you got a whole a block on, on, on Maddow. So there is that, but, um, okay. And then just aside from all the politics things, do you have any plans just for fun stuff coming up for you? I like to ask people about the fun stuff to keep it a little bit light sometimes. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I, like to go to concerts i'm going to lady gaga this weekend for awesome. a, a girlfriend's birthday so <laughs> that'll it be will fun. be fun time yeah that'll be fun well i just you know thank you so much for coming on the show thank you for what you do you're so interesting and fascinating but before i let you go please tell everybody where to find you on all the socials <laughs> 
Well, you can find me on Twitter at LA Windsor. Uh, I know that there's a bevy of other sites, but it's really, you know, where I'm going to post everything right. is uh, on Twitter or YouTube. Uh, and the YouTube channel is The Undercurrent. We have a website, theundercurrent.tv. Uh, you can support our work there. Uh, you can also support it at AmericanFamilyVoices.org. Very cool. All right. And then, of course, you can find me on X, Twitter, or whatever you want to call it, Author Kimberly. If you just see my pinned tweet, you'll find me everywhere else. And thank you so much. It was awesome talking to you, Lauren. Likewise. Thank you, Cam. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co.